Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Connect on blogtalkradio.com. Catch us on the web at umconnect.info. Well, welcome to this episode of Connect. I'm Michael Rich, the Web and Communications Manager for the Western North Carolina Conference. And today's guest is Larry Bowden. He's the pastor at Mount Sylvan United Methodist Church in Durham, North Carolina, and is probably one of the oldest friends I have in ministry. He grew up in Brundage, Alabama, about 20 miles from where I grew up. Uh, We met at Blue Lake Camp. We went to Huntington College together. We went to Duke Divinity School together. And we both ended up here in North Carolina doing ministry on opposite ends of the state. So today we'll talk about old times and look to the future. So it's good to have you on the show, Larry. It's great to be here, Mike. Thanks for asking me. I'm really honored. Well, I don't know if it's much of an honor to be on this show, but uh, what the heck. (laughs) So we go way back. I mean, when I say you're one of the oldest friends in ministry, uh, we met somewhere around 40 years ago at Blue Lake, yeah. and we were both on the Conference Council on Youth Ministry. That and is so, correct. Uh, so I'm thinking, you know, back to those days, when did you hear your call to ministry? I was 13 years old um, when I first uh, thought that maybe I might – um, be used by God in some way in ministry. Uh, I preached my first sermon when I was 13. Uh, I think that sermon lasted eight minutes, and four minutes of that was reading Scripture. Um, the church folks in Brennage remember it uh, well to this day because they beat the Baptists to the cafeteria that day for um, for lunch, and that was... Uh, oh, no doubt. That was, that was a big deal. I think we got out at 11.35 that day, so... But um, no, that I was a uh, historic piece, Brundage, yeah, Alabama, eleven thirty-five. Yes. Yep, I. Uh, it was a, a kind of a growing uh, kind of realization. Um, I communicated with our current pastor at the time. His name was Jim Ross, and oh, yeah. uh, about about my um, desire to, you know, be in ministry, and he at thirteen, he really took me seriously i mean you know he didn't pat me on the head and say come back in a couple years you know he said uh, and and so he began to mentor me in ministry and i um uh began to be the liturgist at um in worship and uh, preach some i became a a lay speaker uh the age of 16 and um, i preached in churches and um it sort of grew over time. I, I remember when I um, was given my life, certified as a lay speaker and given license to preach, um, I was very, very young. And, and uh, But it was a, I felt like I was supported and encouraged every step along the way. And the Conference Council on Youth Ministries, the connection of the church played a big part in that as well to affirm my call. To help me discover my gifts, um, I, I uh, uh, I'm so grateful for that time and the people that I met uh, during that time. Oh, it was you know very much an impact on my life too. And yeah, uh, yeah I think about you know many retreats and things like that at at Blue Lake Camp and uh, getting to meet with that bunch. And you know there were quite a few of us that went on into ministry from 
that youth council. And then those You're right. Days. I was trying to think about some of those folks. I don't know if you remember uh, Mary Ellen Sawada. Oh, sure. Um, um, she's a district superintendent out in the in California, I think, um, mm-hmm. in the San Diego area. Um, there were several others that went on to, to uh, very significant uh, lay ministries, um, uh, you know, from the Conference Council on Youth Ministries, leaders in their local church as well as conference and, and even beyond. Um, so uh, th- that was a formative um wonderful experience of church for me beyond um, my local church, which was wonderful, nurturing in every way. Um, I never knew a moment apart from the love and grace of God growing up in that local Methodist church in Brundage, Alabama. It was uh, um, really, really wonderful. But being on the conference council opened my eyes in new ways to how God works in the world and among uh, people. And and in diverse populations of folks, uh, that was really an incredible experience um, in terms of helping me name my own racism and see how that worked in my life and um, in the community where I grew up and even in the church where I grew up, as wonderful as it was. Um, that's sort of our original sin, I guess you could say, in South Alabama. Sure. So. Uh, but that that experience just really opened me up. I preached a sermon uh, about it um, a couple years ago uh, as I had kind of reconnected with some folks from that period in my life, and I reflected on it, uh, how the Holy Spirit will mess you up and it will tear down the things that you think are... It was a Pentecost sermon. Mm-hmm. And I reflected on the Conference Council on Youth Ministries and how I had met... Um, uh, African Americans and Asians and you know, you know folks from all over who were deeply committed Christians, and it just kind of messed me up in a wonderful yeah. way. Donna Morissette, that was one that uh, was in that conference youth council with me. Yeah, really. I, yeah. How about and that? And then she became a DS in your conference. Now she's she serving the church. Yeah. Yep. She's uh, from, what is, is she from Mobile? Is, um, from Pensacola. Okay. But yeah, what is interesting that a lot of us that grew up there aren't there anymore. Mm-hmm. So you know, that says something. So um, was uh, Huntington your first choice for colleges? It was. Um, it's really the only place I applied. That's a kind of interesting um, story. Uh, my mother graduated from Huntington, and my oldest sister was a student there when I applied. She was a junior. Mm. Um, I had had um, aunts that were going there. When I was in school at Huntington, there was a first cousin of mine that was in school there. Um, So it was a family kind of thing for us, but uh, it was a college of the church, and um, I really didn't want to go anywhere else. And I remember when I was accepted and um, like there was ever a chance I wouldn't be, but it was a thrilling moment. <laughs> I got a telegram, believe it or not. At, wow. Um, I know. Um, at my high school, uh, the secretary came and found me. I was at PE, and she she brought me a telegram from um, from Huntington saying that I'd been accepted. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But 
made a huge impression on me, and um, I was glad to be there. It's only 60 miles from Brundage. Right. And my dad uh, worked for the state of Alabama in emergency management, and so he worked in Montgomery. So I, I went away, but there were ties. You know, I could get to my folks if I needed them, and that was fine, too. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, my original plans were to go to Auburn. And really? I didn't, yeah, I didn't realize that I would be going to Huntington until um, May of my senior year of high school. And I went up and uh, met with Dr. Pickard. And mm-hmm. it was, Pickard. I think, during finals time. And he said, take this final uh, for religion. And I, I scored in the middle of the pack, and having never studied. And he mm-hmm. said, well, that's good enough for me. Um, <laughs> He gave me a uh, scholarship that day, and uh, wow. that was how I ended up at Huntington. Uh, and it really peeved my parents, who thought, wow, we can send him to a state school and mm-hmm. get out of a lot of expenses. And, there you go. Um, but I ended up at Huntington in a weird way. And, um, that was what pretty much sealed the deal of me going into ministry, was that whole yeah. Huntington experience. Yeah, I think a lot of folks who came through there clarified their call. That probably stirrings at some point, but um, that was a wonderful um, community in which to um, see how other people respond to that call and uh, uh, be be formed and be able to articulate that in, in good ways. We 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 had I got a great education at Huntington. I feel like, and you know, beyond just the academics, but formation for ministry. Oh sure. Yeah, there. Uh, well, there's nothing like uh, being in a school where you know everybody. I mean, there were like, 700 students in the whole school, I think, when I was a freshman. I think that was. Uh, well, by the time I finished, we we only had like 650. It was yeah, sort of at the lowest peak of uh, Huntington's uh, uh, time, and uh, yeah, I mean, on a weekend, th- there would be 20 of us left on campus. It would seem yep. like. It was an amazing. Dining hall would be cavernous. Yes. You know, a lot of our uh, a lot of our peers were working in churches, and so they would go away for for the weekend to work in their their churches out spread out through South Alabama. So, oh sure. Uh, uh, I uh, I did not do that. All those are youth director during the summers. Huntington had a program where uh, church, local United Methodist churches could come and interview. Um, current religion philosophy or Christian education students in the department and mm-hmm. others as well. Uh, you know, they didn't have to be in the department to be a youth director. So, and then they just threw us out there without any kind of training. Or, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That was the best training I ever had was yep. having none at all. Just going out on the job. Right. On the job. So I even and interviewed as a youth director in Elba. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yep. Well, maybe I, I, I was not. I was not. Uh, Who got it the year that you were there? Um, oh gosh, Tara. No, nope. um, Tara. Um, what's Tara's last name? I can't remember. I don't remember Tara. Yeah. Yeah, she was great, and that was the right choice. So, um, I, but I'd had relatives that lived in in Elba, and um, I knew a little bit about Elba. We had some ties there. My great aunt Leela survived one of the floods. Oh, the yeah. Pea River flooded. She survived that. They came and got her in a boat. 
second floor of her husband's office building. That's part of my family, Lord. Yeah. So, um, well, it's old home week on the radio. Yep. So, so uh, let's move on to Duke. And okay. uh, how difficult was it for you to make that decision to go to Duke? Uh, you, know, you know, there was a the, little <clears throat> right. There was some political realities of the Alabama West Florida Conference. The closest seminary to us was uh, Candler in Atlanta, on the campus of Emory. And um, a lot of our uh, folks that graduated from uh, Huntington went to went to Candler because it was close, and you could serve as a um, student pastor back in sure. Alabama while you're going to school, and that was a popular route for many folks. Um, but I, uh, you know, there was a little pipeline from Huntington to Duke. I don't know if you remember this, but. Somebody that was on the Conference Council of Youth Ministries when I was on was a guy named Chris Hughes. I think you probably sure. know, know who that is. <laughs> and yeah, he's still in our was, conference. Yeah, Here. Chris from Fort Walton, and he and I served on the Conference Council of Youth Ministries. He went to Huntington. I sort of, you know, trailed behind Chris, and and then he went to Duke uh, for Divinity School, and he followed to Divinity School a woman named Paula Gilbert. Sure. Um, who graduated from Huntington. She wound up at Duke, eventually got a Ph.D. from Duke, and she was for a time the director of admissions. Right. She was Divinity the one that School. admitted me. So. Right. So I think having Paula there kind of opened the door for folks from Huntington uh, to look at Duke in a new way. Now, there was there were other factors involved, too. One of our principal professors was uh, Roger Dick Johns, and right. uh, he had gotten a Ph.D. from Duke, and so he um, gently steered people in that direction, or at least asked them to consider what it might mean to go to the Divinity School at Duke. Um, the girl I was dating at the time, Becky Mullins, her dad had gone to Duke many years ago, um, Stan Mullins. Right. And so... Uh, for him, anyway, and Be- Becky and I dated all through uh, college. Um, there was no question about where I was going to go <laughs> to seminary. So, right. Uh, he he had his mind made up, and um, my uh, so th- there were others. Uh, Mary Lou Mills. I don't know if you ever knew her. She went to Duke. Um, mm-hmm. Then my senior year, uh, Chris had graduated, and he came back to Huntington as the chaplain. Uh, so that was sort of his first job out of seminary, and he became the, the director of church relations and chaplain at, at Huntington, and that kind of accelerated some of us going there. Karen Murphy, do you remember Karen? Oh, Karen, yeah. Um, she's still in Alabama. Is she in Mobile? I think maybe. she's in Mobile now, yeah. Um, I saw something on Facebook from her. Yeah, so... She came and got a two-year degree at that time, and they had a master's of Christian education. Um, my roommate, college roommate, Bill Elwell. Bill Elwell, yeah. Bill serving in Alabama, West Florida. Uh, we were roommates. He's down in Mariana in, now, I think. Yeah, that's right. And we were roommates in college, and we were roommates in um, at seminary, too. We got an apartment. And, uh, then he got married. Uh, but So there was uh, quite a few of us that, kind of moved in the direction of Duke, and that made it easier in some ways uh, to yeah. to bypass uh, Candler, although Candler's a great school, and 
I would recommend it to anybody today who is looking to be shaped and formed ministry. They have great faculty. And with the relocation of the uh, General Board of Global Ministries to Atlanta, boy, that's going to uh, have an impact. Uh, oh, no there. doubt. So, um, yeah. But anyway, my, my uh, you know, I tell people, this is what I told people in Alabama, that uh, when I went north to go to school to North Carolina, <laughs> that, that's the way it felt anyway. But I had uh, folks was, from Elba tell me, why did you go to a Yankee school? Right. And I said, yeah, I didn't think that that was uh, I, part I of the, the North. But and, but then I got here and everybody spoke New Jersey ease. I was, uh, you know, there's a lot of folks from different parts of the country, which was oh, no wonderful. Doubt. It was a great, great environment. Um, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a break right now. We'll come back and talk more about Duke and, and look to the future a little bit. But um, here's a word from Sally Queen on our conference staff. My name is Sally Queen, and I'm the Associate Director of Ministerial Services. By virtue of our baptism, we are all called into ministry. This call is being faithfully lived out in the communities of Western North Carolina as people of all ages participate in building God's kingdom. Others are responding to God's call to license or ordain ministry by committing to faithfully lead our churches in vitality. All who are called are using their talents and gifts to follow Jesus, make disciples, and transform the world. The United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina is a ministry of the church for the church whose mission is to build the church for generations to come. We fulfill this vision by investing in people as well as helping churches and related institutions Invest the financial resources that God has given to them. My name is David Snipes, and we look forward to the day when you give your United Methodist Foundation a call. And you can find out more about the United Methodist Foundation in Western North Carolina at the sponsor page on the show's website, which is umconnect.info. And so we're back now with Larry Bowden, who's on the phone from Durham. And so we were talking about the past, Huntington, uh, going to Duke, what were your favorite memories from uh, being at Duke? One of my favorite uh, memories that I feel so very blessed to experience uh, um, sometimes when I have occasion to be on the campus again is at 5 o'clock in the afternoon here in the Carillon, the bells mm. play across the campus. Um, that that uh, from, from the beautiful Duke Chapel, which is currently undergoing renovation, but um, that, that to me was uh, an experience of sort of transcendence to hear that beautiful those bells play and um, be in that environment of, of learning and uh, community was just really special for me. The um, I got a great education at Duke. I remember studying long hours. Uh, the um, encouragement of faculty. The thing about Duke is they had and still do have great teachers there that are interested mm-hmm. not just in imparting academic information, but teaching people how to learn for life and form them for learning and ministry. And I'm, you know, uh, Mickey Eford is mm. a, a teacher without peer and there were many others, uh, Richard Lisher, um, mm. Moody Smith. Uh, th- those are all great, great teachers, and not just because they knew a lot of stuff and they could tell you about it, but 
because they were interested in the people who were receiving it. Um, I uh, it stretched me academically in ways that uh, I wasn't really prepared for. I told somebody this week my first grade at Duke was a D. I've never oh, made wow. a D in my life, and uh, that was courtesy of Amy Jill Levine, who's a professor of New Testament at Vanderbilt now, but she was my Old Testament preceptor. And, oh, that uh, was uh, with Lloyd Bailey. That is correct. Yes. And that was quite an experience. So, but get my attention, and I had to dig in, and uh, you know, we, I had a had a wonderful experience at Duke. Yeah, I don't think I've ever read as much as I did mm-hmm. those first few years there. It was unbelievable. No. Uh, Bob Gregg and that church history. Uh, yeah, Bob. Bob Gregg. Yeah. Yeah, he was a wonderful teacher, too, and he fits in the mold of uh, teachers in some respects that I'd had at Huntington. Mm-hmm. There was a woman named um, Margaret Bailey who taught Western Civ at Huntington, and she sort right. of lit a fire under her students as freshmen. I remember her telling the story of how um, Carter found the tomb of King Tut in Egypt, mm-hmm. and as he... Um, uh, they they drilled a hole in the door. They shined a light in, and the people were standing behind him. And and they said, "What do you see? What do you see?" And he said, "I see wondrous things." And when <laughs> she told that story in class, her whole being just lit up. And I thought, "Wow, that is a someone who is a wonderful, wonderful teacher." And that's sort of been my. Uh, I remember that story as I teach in different settings, both in the local church and on a district setting for um, for lay speakers, uh, lay servants. I've taught at Course of Study School at Duke. I try to bring that same kind of, um, that, that's what a teacher should do. I see wondrous things. Here, let me tell you about that. You know, and, and I got that at Duke, and too. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was, that really tracked in some beautiful ways for me at Duke. And Bob Gregg was I lived in Bob Gregg's house. He was my landlord oh, okay. for a year. So it was funny to see my professor out coming over and, um, you know, working on the um, plumbing and sweeping up leaves. And uh, But that was wonderful, too. Uh, well, after uh, we I, finished, I, yeah, I was uh, working uh, for a little time with uh, NHK, and I had a, a video shoot at Stanford, and he was really – Minister yeah, of the he, University. He left and went to the minister, become the minister of the university there. Wow. Yeah. So I went and uh, sat down with him at Stanford, and wow. you know, here here was a, a student. He didn't know me from Adam, probably, but he treated me like I was something special. You know, yeah. That came all the way across country to say hello to this guy, and wow. uh, he loved what he was doing at Stanford. It was amazing. That's great. But uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he that, saved me. I, you know, part of seminary is sort of getting knocked off your um, center and oh, being open to new ways that God can form you. And I was losing. I went to see him, and uh, he just he ministered to me in a a beautiful way. He said, "It's going to be okay. Just be open to all that this is happening." He said, "Learn to tolerate some ambiguity." I'll never forget. <laughs> I'll never forget that. So, um, it's beautiful. Well, let's uh, move on now. After after you finished seminary, I know you went on and did uh, CPE and other things at the university, and you and Julia were married, and 
Um, yep. You were sort of maneuvering that. Oh, yeah, uh, that's somebody else from Huntington that came to Duke is my wife. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, she graduated from Duke with an MDiv in 1986. Yeah, so she and I finished the same year at, yeah. at Duke. We came in at different years. It was sort of odd and that she was up there with you. And, yep. uh, but it took her she, a little longer. It took me a little she longer. She put me too. through. Um, and then she came in in mid year, my senior year, and uh, then picked back up and finished up. So uh, that was the way. Back then, they, you could come in in January as a student. Right. They don't do that more, but you could back then. But, um, you know, eventually y'all ended up in the North Carolina Conference. And we did. How, how was that decision? Uh, how did that come about? Well, I think it was of God. And I will say this. One of the things that uh, became impressed upon me over the last you know, 30, 40 years is that part of my family's lore, our history is uh, we came to Alabama from North Carolina. So... There's a little crossroads community in eastern North Carolina called Bowden's, North Carolina. And our family Mm. history goes back to that area of Duplin County and Wilmington. Um, We've traced our ancestors back to to there um, right after the Revolutionary War. And then they came to Alabama uh, after the uh, War of 1812 and settled at Bear Creek near Brundage. Mm. Um, And I didn't know this. I don't know if we have time to talk about it, if you even care, but uh, the I didn't find out until about four years ago that uh, Jonathan Williams, who was uh, our ancestor, his daughter married, fell in with a bad crowd, married a Bowden, and hmm. um, he brought them all to Alabama. Uh, but his, two of his brothers were Methodist preachers in South Alabama, and I had no idea until I um, went back and looked at all the graves four years ago, five years ago. And uh, that was really interesting to me. But what I've, in some respects, coming to North Carolina uh, is a recovery of roots. But it, more immediately, it was the fact that Julia and I uh, were uh, a clergy couple mm. and attempting to find the best place we could be in ministry together uh, was somewhat of a struggle as she graduated and I was finishing up some more training I was doing, I had kind of floated with the, flirted with the idea of um, going into academics and was applying for um, Ph.D. programs, exploring that in any case. And that threw a wrinkle in all the stuff. Nobody, you know, are you going to assert, do you want an appointment? Do you not want to, what is going on? And so uh, Julia's story is much more, um, I think, it's a rich, rich story in terms of her journey into ministry and then becoming part of a a clergy couple. The long and the short of it is uh, we found a door open in North Carolina after doors closed uh, for us in Alabama and in Georgia. And uh, we stepped through that door because I needed a job. And so uh, we've, we've been part of this conference ever since but it was you know it's one of those things looking back that was god at work in the midst of all that i I called the district called the district superintendent durham and it was in may and i said you don't know me but i just i I need a i need a job he said 
his name was Wallace Kirby. He said, um, well, I have 12 appointments open. Pick one. <laughs> I was, well, there was a little silence on the phone, and he said, come see me tomorrow, we'll talk about it. And so I did, and we talked, and he helped me discern that I felt really called to be an associate pastor. And so there were two associate pastors position open in the Durham district at that time. We've since become the corridor district, but one was at Epworth you know, Methodist Church, and the other one, believe it or not, was at Mount Sylvan, where I'm now the lead pastor. I was their first full-time associate in 1986. Wow. And so that's been an incredible experience here just for the last 18 months to, in many respects, come home to the place that helped form me as an ordained minister. Um, it's been wonderful. So yeah, very that's cool. how we, yeah, that's how kind of how we got here. Um, and well, still feel really you know, warm, wonderful ties to Alabama, West Florida, and that's home uh, to me. Julia's from Atlanta. So, well, what else you uh, want to know? Well, I mean, we're toward the end of the show. I've got a little bit of time here. Um, you know, we could we could have gone on for hours, and nobody would have yep. been listening. But uh, uh, <laughs> I just uh, wanted to ask one more question. We've had a number of our friends from seminary go on and become bishops and that kind yeah. of thing, and a lot of friends that are big shots in the church now. What does the future of the church look like having some of our friends from seminary in high places? Well, uh, the Bishop of Florida, uh, Ken Carter, I think he's been on your show. He has. Uh, I, uh, he's the only person to be on the show twice. So Really? That's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah, he, uh, he came and asked to be on it the second time. And what are you going to say to the Bishop of Florida? Uh, you're going to say, love to have you. Exactly. Right? So and he came Tom on Bickerton, for a second time. And yeah. He's a big supporter of the show and, and a regular Tom listener. Tom Bickerton is the bishop of Pennsylvania, and right. there are others who are serving in different ways uh, in churches and in districts. So under the, their leadership, they, they stand, uh, you know, Phyllis Tickle talked about every 500 years the church kind of renews itself, and we're kind of in that period right now. The mm-hmm. emergent church was sort of the first shot out of the gate of how the church is being remade by the Holy Spirit for the next 500 years. And uh, I, I see Tom, both Tom and Ken standing sort of in a liminal space, in a space that uh, bridges um, what, we, what we have been and what we're going to be. And both of them are um, finding ways for new expressions of a vital Wesleyan spirit in a new way. Tom, through engagement with uh, No More Malaria, Imagine No Malaria, uh, and in many other ways uh, that he does that I'm sure I don't even know about, but certainly uh, he's taken the lead on that for the whole church and showing people what a difference the church can make in the world. And Ken has uh, become aware of ways in which in the diverse uh, place where he's in ministry, how the church is finding, I think um, he's part of the Fresh Expressions movement in this, uh, so we're bringing that uh, to this country and uh, trying to see how the Holy Spirit's moving to reach out to um, younger people in the uh, in, in the area where he's in ministry and by extension throughout the whole church. And I believe they 
want to preserve what is distinct and beautiful about the Wesleyan way, about the Methodist Church, even as we face very challenging times as a denomination to try to figure out who we are and where we're going to go from here. I feel really good about with folks like them and our bishop, um, Hope Morgan Ward, um, is so she's so deeply spiritual and um, with every fiber of her being, she loves the church. And I feel mm. great when there are people that uh, like that, whom God has called and put in place to see us through whatever's going to happen next. All right. Well, we're running out of time, but I want to thank you for giving your time and giving up part of a Wednesday morning with me. It's always a pleasure to touch base with an old friend. It is always good to talk to you, and uh, you need to come see us. I, I will be Rose. in Durham in on the 9th of okay. November. I'll be there the well, whole week doing some continuing ed, so awesome. let's get together. We will, for sure. All Absolutely. right. Well, thanks again for being on the show. Thanks for listening to us on Blog Talk Radio. The show will be available as a podcast at the Blog Talk page on the show's website and at iTunes. And you can keep up with the latest at our website, umconnect.info. And we're going to be back next week connecting United Methodists and their stories. Thanks to our sponsors, the Western North Carolina Conference and the United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina. You can find out more about them on the Sponsors section of the website, umconnect.info. I'm Michael Rich, and you've been listening to Connect.